0: Welcome to Bible Over Brews! We are going over spoilers for... What? Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass! All right. It's more of a, a live conversational type of night, so... Right now we're just going to be engaging and having a blast. I do have a few comments that I pulled from uh, the show, but... Uh, of a conversational type deal not a presentation type of thing so Mm. keith is our expert tonight
1: that's right (laughs) Um,
2: i'm calling in from a remote oregon island or island off the coast of oregon in my attic (laughs) 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 extra spooky Mm -hmm. there's there's an angel in the back right over no that's 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 going too far i wait for the spoilers (laughs)
0: Well, sounds as spooky as a small island off the coast of New York. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're gonna be diving in. This is a a one. I have no information on this yet because I just ran out. So, funny story. So, I actually grabbed a uh, a cool coffee. Pumpkin stout for tonight's episode Ooh, that I prepped everything for. Coffee pumpkin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was really excited for it. And it was a nitro. I was yeah. so excited for this beer. Holy I put Trinity. it <laughs> Right? I put it by the back door to make sure it was there and ready. So when I, went, I ran out to get everything ready for tonight, boom, I'd be good to go. Somebody, while they are putting groceries away, put it somewhere. And now I don't know where it is.
3: Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? Yes. So it's gone. It vanished. It's. I guess it's appropriate for the day, right? Because it's the day before Halloween. So I guess it's appropriate that it just vanished and disappeared. So at some point when we find this, we can enjoy it on the podcast.
2: If, <laughs> if you see any drunk
0: squirrels, squirrels or raccoons <laughs> around in the next
2: few days, you know. <laughs>
0: so they probably shoved it with some of the coffee stuff somewhere because we have different places where we shove coffee things because my wife and i both love coffee and it said coffee stout on it Mm. so it's probably sitting somewhere in coffee supplies (laughs) so i did run out to grab this which i know nothing of because i've never been to this brewery but this is from millersburg brewing company now, I'm reading off the can right now because, again, I did not prepare for this beer. <laughs> it You're is a tonight. 9% ABV. Holy smokes. <laughs> Where's George when you need him? <laughs> and this is a, a pumpkin beer. So, we are about to enjoy a beer from a brewery that we've never glasses. had before. <laughs> so, guys, let me pass around the glasses. There you go. you've
1: got to find a way to get there one there you to go. you keith when you're just joining us via the worldwide I
2: appreciate the thoughts although it's kind of fun to see what i'm i end up drinking over here because it gets pretty weird and pretty desperate <laughs> As we'll is. find out in a moment
0: oh <laughs> It's, <moonshine. laughs> uh, it's, blood. it's human blood.
2: actually what i'm doing is i'm taking a coke since i'm dragging a little bit i'm gonna drink some of the coke and then every time i drink a little coke i'm gonna add a little vodka so, mm-hmm. you
4: re- Replace the entire thing. <laughs> oh,
0: <God. laughs> That's <girl>. Yes, this <laughs> is kind of an interesting, it was kind of a haphazard thing. It might work out. We'll find out. It's funny
1: when you were describing that though, because now my palette i know it's anticipating the coffee
0: pumpkin
4: yeah i thought it was what was <laughs> sitting in front of you <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: no nitro <laughs> i had i had not planned for this one so this one is totally off the cusp i went to go grab it and it wasn't there so i had to shoot out to the store real quick before the podcast and grab this and This one smells pretty good though wow. so but it's uh ooh, that nose is great it actually has a it actually looks kind of pumpkinish. Looking through it, mm-hmm. there's a slight orange hue to it. It's hazy. Yummy. So, yummy. Yeah, I mean. And again, <laughs> it, it has. A, it, it does have a uh, a pumpkin fragrance to it. Almost like a pumpkin mm-hmm. flower is floating off the top of it. Mm. Ooh, that's not bad. So, it does have mm. the pumpkin flavor. It's spiced very well. Um, I can take, I can catch uh, pieces of uh, maybe nutmeg off of that. Yes, absolutely. This uh, is
1: really good. It's, it's actually got some serious body too, which is one of my biggest wow critiques of pumpkin uh, ales is that they seem to always sometimes for me lack body. Mm-hmm. What this I, one has some body to it.
0: Yeah, what yeah, I like about it sad. is there's a very slight hop in the background. Yeah, but it's not overbearing. Like it, it almost accents the pumpkin. Which is really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, but you're right. That nutmeg is is sitting right in front. Oh yeah, front yep. center, which is great. I mm. I love nutmeg, so that's that's fantastic. Um Excellent. Oh man, that is. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. All right. Well, that explains. It's an imperial, so
1: that's that's why we mm-hmm. got the body. Yeah. Man. Yeah, this is really good. Can you see the? Can you see the can, Keith? A little bit. That's a cool-looking can. I mean, you
2: got is. some cool colors going <laughs> on there. It's
4: scary. I'm a bit it's, scared. It's like a jack lantern face. Yeah. Ooh. Oh,
0: there it is. I found it. it this is uh, Pope's Imperial Pumpkin Ale. It. Oh, get this. It is a 2018 World Beer Cup Bronze winner. Oh, okay. wow. So look at that. I see that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it also says the seasonal beer has an orange-brown color with the nose of pumpkin pie. Hmm. Brown sugar, nutmeg, mm-hmm. cinnamon, and vanilla.
1: Yeah, it definitely tastes of vanilla too. Yeah.
0: And sometimes you only taste things yeah. once
4: you're it's... told that it's in there. And then <laughs> right. you start tasting it. Right. You gotta retrohale this. You just you're like, like on the side it out it out your nose. It's like when you watch <laughs> a movie for a second time, then you pick up things that oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't notice that.
2: So, yeah. yeah. Someday we gotta punk all the uh unsophisticated beer pellets like myself over here by like <laughs> saying you know i taste a hint of beanie babies or some minwax i taste
0: alcohol <laughs> well, does this have alcohol <laughs> well if this if, if our 100th episode goes well i'm going to try and do a skeptic's brulette at a brewery so hear that all you breweries out there I'm, and uh, how close I'm to contacting you contacting a few how close We're, to that are you I'm actually pretty close, so we'll find out here shortly. But uh, I don't, I'm not going to say anything on the podcast because I think I'm pretty close. We'll find out. In terms of numbers? Yeah. Oh, no, no. In terms of actually, was actually going to the poll. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, talking yeah. about your number of episodes. I think we're at 98 right This now. is 98. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Make sure you don't let them listen to the podcast before agreeing to it. I oh, was
0: just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and everything should go as planned so long
0: as we have <laughs> our skeptic. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I already told George. George said he's down. All right.
4: So well, like I said before, we all have a little George in us as far as being a skeptic. I mean that's a good part of being a that is a good part of being like (laughs) having faith is also skepticism. We
1: all have a little George in us. I like that. (laughs) We should get t-shirts that say that. We can make those. What would George do? (laughs)
0: Oh dang. I've also made, uh, for the people who haven't been, seen the podcast that often, I made a few modifications and I'm still making some modifications here to the studio. So in the background now, you've noticed I now have some new shelves up and it's more places for growlers, uh, my martial arts uh, awards and stuff over here in the background for being a, a decent, okay instructor. I'm not great, but I'm okay. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, so some, buy it. So some cool stuff. Some cool stuff. Was
4: the ceiling fan always there? The ceiling fan was always there. Yes. How did what? I not you notice that? I mean, <laughs> you know how I just said you have to be reminded of things to realize you didn't realize it. I never noticed that before.
2: <laughs> I mean, nothing says like badass man cave like a garage with a ceiling fan in it. Yeah. I mean, oh, kudos, Joe
1: Rogan. Just so you know, <laughs> I've got two.
4: <laughs> what? Wow.
2: Oh man. <laughs> Goes to show you how many times you can be there and just never look like a little bit up.
4: (laughs) All of a sudden, I feel underdressed. Two ceiling (laughs) fans. I I think I need to leave.
1: No, you can stay for a little bit.
0: So since we are spoiling Midnight Mass for everybody, um, Keith, would you like to give us a small recap of what the premise for Midnight Mass is?
2: Well, I'll try. I was going to say, oh, you should do that one, but no, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so uh, Midnight Mass, you've got this small, I believe it's like an island town. Like, I don't know. It feels like it's off of Oregon. I don't know if I just inferred that or maybe Washington. I know it was filmed off of the coast of Washington. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's more like right. Washington. I think yeah. you're yeah.
2: Right. The setting. So it's it's a, it's a, a, a Northwest uh, island of 127 people. They emphasize how small it is. Uh, if it wasn't so creepy, it would almost be like stars hollow from Gilmore Girls*. but it's creepy. So it's not, <laughs> um, you, you immediately, uh, there, so there's, there's a, uh, uh, a, a guy who at the very beginning, he was in a drunk driving accident while well, he was, he caused the accident. And so he goes to jail for four years. Um, he's coming back to this Island. This is Riley, um, who, if you had this weird feeling while you're watching, like, who's that guy? I remember him from my high school football team. It's because Riley is played by Zach Guilford, who was Matt Saracen on Friday Night Lights. So that's that weird deja vu there. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so at the same time as he's coming back, there's this, uh, like uh, the priest at the the small parish. Um, I forget the name of the parish. I wish I could remember. But uh, the parish on the island. St. Patrick's. Um,
3: yeah. St.
2: Patrick's, that's right, of course. <laughs> uh, the The priest had gone on, he's a very old, uh, not all the way there priest anymore. And he's gone off the island. Uh, they, they, I guess they finance a trip to the Holy land for him. Um, he is the, the another priest, father Paul shows up, uh, and says, oh, he, he's, uh, at, a, a you know, the hospital or something like that. And he's not going to be, uh, well for a little while. So I'm, I'm substituting in for him and, uh, weird things start happening around father Paul, uh, we start seeing healings and um, uh, other weird stuff. I'm, I'm trailing a little bit here before I get into the big stuff. Should I get into the big stuff? Or should...
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good start. There's oh, bad stuff start. happening. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good start. So what were your impressions, Mike? Yeah, so right yeah. back
1: to the beginning scene that you talked about, uh, I thought it was interesting because uh, as they were setting it up and the accident happened, the car accident at the beginning. Yes. You know, we we realized that the son at the time was having a, you know, a prodigal son type of life, right? He walked (laughs) away from everything. But in that moment of the accident, I think what was really gut-wrenching was he started praying. He didn't know what else to do. He looked at the victim that, you know, that he had caused, started praying. And then the EMS came over and was like, oh, while you're at it, buddy, why don't you ask God? Why he always lets the innocents die and, and blank people like you get to live. And that was just such a knife in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, you know, it's so true. In our worst moments of like, oh my, I caused this,
4: you know. Yeah, like it it to me, it was kind of like, oh, pray yourself out of this one. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Or being cynical. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. And I and and I think that criticism, uh, was somewhat fair especially for their line of work i i, I understand yeah. why they do that so yeah.
4: right you yeah. know see the but what a people. setup
1: oh yeah what a setup that was
4: i mean <laughs> i mean it, it was a it was a good opening mm-hmm. because you're like well where is this gonna go this could go anywhere
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah exactly. you know that's 100 like true and what's what's really funny is that so the uh the uh writer and director mike flanagan he actually based the the Riley character on himself uh he's dealt with like alcoholism and uh substance abuse Mm -hmm. for a lot of his life he's like he said I come from an Irish alcoholic family right so Mm -hmm. so he actually based Riley on himself and he said his biggest okay no more of this (laughs) (laughs) well we're not drinking all day and night so (laughs) um he said uh (laughs) he said that uh with the his biggest fear wasn't that he would kill himself but that he would kill somebody else mm. and so he put that in the book on purpose because that was his biggest fear mm. wow and and it manifested
1: yeah yeah interesting
2: So since, since we're at the beginning of the movie can we talk about my my the scariest part for me which was in the first 15 minutes oh yeah barely even spoils anything. <laughs> <laughs> so um you know, Matt Saracen. I mean, Riley comes back to the island. He's he's living at home. He's got to go to his AA meetings, of course, which are off the island. Um, you know, he's very much trying to, like, eke out. You know, a life that you know we know is very tough when you come out of prison. Uh, and his dad's like, you know, pretty mad, and he's like, "You got to go to mass." Like, even though he's, um, you know, despite his his moment of prayer in the beginning um, during the accident, he's um, he's not practicing or believing at the moment. Um, but his father and mother are, are you know, pretty devout. So they make him go to Mass. <clears throat> now, this is the scariest part for me. This is the first Mass where Father Paul is in there. And uh, af- so, um, of course, the father says, like, you know, being, you're not supposed to receive since you communion since you haven't been going to Mass. You're not practicing right now. You're not in a state of grace. Um, and I think he probably added a little bit in there, especially given what you've done kind of thing. Um, yeah, so, did. And, and,
4: and
2: so, uh, he does, you know, he's, he's the one only person who's, you know, sitting down, not receiving communion during this mass. Where There's probably like a dozen people in there. And after mass, every freaking person, including the priest openly comments about him, not receiving communion, like, um, <laughs> Oh, here's my son, Riley. And he's like, and the and father paul is literally like oh you didn't receive communion <laughs> and a, that I've was the that scariest
4: one would ever do that no
2: right right yeah i mean i'm sure maybe in a really small close-knit parish like people would like maybe gossip about it like to each other like oh i didn't see so-and-so receive communion but for the priest to openly say like you're the one who didn't receive communion you must be the sinner <laughs> It <laughs> ah, yeah. was very over the top that is um, scary though i understand yeah. but that, yeah. that, like just the idea of that like me being like a kind of a a recovering scrupulous person uh you know very paranoid about that stuff like if i like a situation where everybody in the parish was talking about me not receiving communion, <laughs> that freaked me out that was scarier than any of the vampire crap yeah <laughs>
1: it's a, it's a, uh uh to piggyback off that, it for me, that showed the awareness of within, uh, you know, the Catholic Church, because I'm the only one here not Catholic, but how aware the priests, yeah, right, how I'm a closet uh, Catholic, how aware the priests are of the people who aren't of the tradition. Oh, yeah. I can relate to that because I've been to a Catholic funeral that I was a part of, but I wasn't Catholic. I was one of the pallbearers, and so I was part of the Catholic funeral for Jen's great-grandmother okay and we were you know it was in the middle of the funeral well my wife's uncles were playing a joke on me because they were all catholic and they knew that i wasn't and they said hey when the lion goes up to the priest we want you to get in line and go up and just all you got to do is stick your hand out and i'm like okay i'm and so you know as the lion's going up to the priest i go up and you know i saw other people sticking their tongue out i'm like oh should I do that too? So I go up to the brand to both at the same I time did, both. did oh. I all like this.
4: <laughs> oh. God.
1: And there was just like the longest 2 <laughs> seconds in the world. And he said, "You're not Catholic, are you?" <laughs> and I said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and that's it When I said I shook my head No All I heard was Snickering in the back From Jim uncles uh, And he was like Well go be blessed anyway Go uh, <laughs> And so You know He didn't humiliate me But he still kept You know He still kept it in line And so I could, I can understand that Right From that perspective It would <laughs> be
2: better If you had gone like
0: What's up <laughs> He's like Alright Stay uh, still <laughs> Yeah, priests can usually detect that pretty quick. <laughs> or, yeah, of course. I mean
2: when you're that obvious
0: like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, you're practically standing on one foot. <laughs> yeah. But that's
1: a good point. Yeah.
2: It it does kind of it makes between that and also another weird part towards the beginning where they have a Ash Wednesday potluck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was
2: first <laughs> step being uh I th- so, I, as I understand, Mike Flanagan grew up Catholic, he um, so he probably aware that it's not likely to have an Ash Wednesday pot- potluck. I feel like maybe what he's doing, I don't think he's, tr- I think he's trying to make a, not necessarily a Catholic movie, but he's trying to make like a generically, like a movie with generically Christian themes, but with the whole aspect of communion, which becomes pretty key in the actual story. Um, like if there wasn't this idea of of communion as the body and blood of Christ, um like if he was doing you know trying to be like a you know a, a, a evangelical church or something like that where it was it's much more symbolic um mm-hmm. i don't I don't think he would have been able to get his point about about what you know happens if you taint the blood of Christ with you know spoiler alert <laughs> vampire blood <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well and kudos to them they actually never say the word vampire so
2: right right
0: yeah but that's obviously
4: what it is what well, is it see they're biting each other <laughs> they're turning each other into. <laughs> well, are we spoiling the whole yeah, thing do we have do you- to keep saying yeah we're well, too well, far well, ahead i'm not
1: sure how this all half <laughs> goes okay so before we go there my initial thought i mean obviously it's pretty Obvious that something is up with the priest. Mm-hmm. My thoughts, especially from not having the Catholic background, was all right. They're setting this dude up to be the Antichrist, right? That's what I thought. This dude is going to be some kind of nefarious. That's what you think at first, isn't yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I so just that... thought
4: he talked funny and had like no situational awareness, like
1: right. He <laughs> talked
4: like this, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and
4: it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, right,
1: you know, like, right. There was something almost controlling dead, about the way he yeah, spoke, like, oh, Right.
0: It was a great homily, though. He had a couple of good homilies. <laughs> he did go off. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hmm. yeah. That, that's actually the other two, like minor, like <clears throat> not Catholic things. Like number one are like good homilies. <laughs> um, like preaching like that in general, like is not really a frequently a Catholic thing. Um, but also, um, oh crap, what am I? I'm, I'm blanking out now. Uh, oh, oh, memorizing Bible verses. <laughs> Oh. So especially later on, there's a lot of people who are reciting Bible verses to support uh, their new uh, found salvation in said vampire blood. So Beth King. Uh, and Yeah. Yeah. Beth King. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the scene where the, the younger kids go out to the uh, somewhere secluded where they were having a fire they were drinking. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Then that's, that's when I first heard the wings. I'm like, all right (laughs) obviously this is some type of winged creature Uh uh-huh how it relates to the priest not quite sure yet you know yeah so i knew it was heading down that trail um yeah but i won't i won't go to to that part yet
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it was i so at that point you knew that something especially when the cats came up correct because that's that's right about when all of a sudden in episode, I think it was one when they talked about how the island is full of cats, right? Mm-hmm. And then episode two, I believe it is, is no, I don't know. Oh, no, no, I think it's episode one that it ends with the cats <clears throat> coming up, and all of a sudden there's all these cats dead, right? Right after he notices who he thinks looks like a father Pruitt up on the beach, right? And then after that, then the next episode starts with all the dead cats. And they're trying to figure out what caused them. And then the sheriff notices, oh, there's no blood, right? I mean, so they didn't die here, but they all had a, a bite across their neck and stuff like that. So mm. something was hungry. <laughs> and that's when you realized, and, and that's the first, that was the first part where I it was like, I wonder if this is a vampire. Because you looked at each one of the cats, they're a bit across the neck. And I'm like, hmm, they drained the blood. And they're a bit on the neck. That was the first clue to me. Would a
4: vampire bite a cat. Was well, that even a vampire thing? Oh, well, I thought e- they yes. would bite
0: humans. Nope. No, nope, if humans are. I mean, if uh, they were, if enough. humans are available, but if not, you could suck the blood off of anything, right? Because they just mm. need the life blood to sustain them. Mm. So, which kind of makes <laughs> you, you remember how, that from? What's it?
2: I feel like I remember that from Interview with the Vampire or something like that, like an older movie, like sucking the you know blood out of animals or whatever because they were trying really hard to resist humans.
0: I'm pretty sure you're referencing Twilight.
2: <laughs> yeah, that too. Here you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the best representation of vampirism of all time. Of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if we conclude that this was truly a vampire thing, then it was a different take on what a vampire actually is. So, yes, and
0: what I loved about it was that it was, without saying vampire, it was the idea Mm -hmm. of that vampire, as we see starting in episode three, right? And on top of that, the kind of cool thing is that, number one, they don't say vampire, and um, Flanagan and one or two of the other people who helped him in this made a reference that he specifically didn't (coughs) want to ever use that word in the series because he wanted to represent fallen angels mm-hmm. because fallen angels are represented as having wings and being frightening and he's like think about it he's like every single time you have a uh, an angel in the bible what's the first thing they say don't be afraid okay why are they afraid <laughs> so obviously these things are scary in some fashion if they have to every single time say, "Whoa, whoa, don't be afraid," but I think if you saw
4: anything that's not part of your normal everyday life, yep, regardless of if it looked scary or not, if you saw yeah. something that doesn't make sense to you, you would be fr- afraid. Sure, you know, I agree.
1: I thought their perception in the movie, the people's perception, especially the religious, ultra-religious lady, of it, Beth Keen, yeah, being a <laughs> fallen angel was brilliantly done brilliantly yeah um because they did not you know at least at watching it they were not getting the vibes of a, this is a vampire right now right. no right. i mean they were they were so stuck in their religious ways that it, it could only be an angel right right but they didn't even really imply fallen angels
0: if that wasn't even part of the vocab no no it wasn't because and the reason why the characters didn't think it was is because he gave life right i mean he goes to the middle east on a journey and he stumbles on him and it gives him life and so he thinks angel right it's actually the writer mike flanagan was in one of his interviews that makes a reference to well, we don't actually know what a fallen angel looks like what if a, a fallen angel does look like a vampire you know, you don't just you just don't know because there's not really a lot of reference work in the Bible for what angels look like outside of like thrones or seraphim, or and they're really weird, right? They're like a, they got a thousand eyes and they got like you know four legs or four faces or you know. Yeah, if I saw something so, like that, I just so like die. yeah, so like I just die on the spot. Yeah, so like thrones <laughs> and cherubim and seraphim are really odd looking, right? angels are actually the lowest rank of the choirs right because there's the nine choir of angels right and then uh, with angels being the lowest rank and then each one of the of the preceding ones then being a higher rank and even this is just um it is uh juxtaposition because there's a few people that put that forward like thomas aquinas and a few others it's not definitive it's actually not part of strict catholic teaching it's an idea that uh summarizes what we know about for for a biblical aspect on what each one of those choirs would be but even then it it may be different very few people have ever come back saying that oh this is definitely what this choir is right so
1: well and generally speaking what religious people of any faith would associate the holy land with vampires right So, of course, it's got to be an angel of some sort, whether it's fallen or.
4: I don't know, know. though, but if you're a vampire, wouldn't you go where no one expects you? No one expects a vampire in the holy man.
1: So, okay, so (laughs) when they're in that cave, right? (laughs) Yeah. And they meet, and obviously he jumps and bites him, right? At one point, it seemed to imply, at least from my perspective, that he had sympathy on him and then gave him his blood
0: so that he would live. I noticed that, too. So initially, hmm. initially he bites him and sucks his blood. But then yeah, you're right. It's then at, at, uh, at some point he references him to being an angel and he looks into his eyes. And then the it, being just stares at him. And then after a while, he finally cuts his arm open and then gives him his blood. Right. So it's really interesting that this being, even if he is evil, seems to take some mercy on him yeah 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 so so
2: the 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 nature of that being i hadn't i hadn't heard the interview with flanagan um so it sounds like from that interview that he intended the being to be supernatural but what was interesting is is they spend a a decent chunk of time in the movie explaining the whole spreading of you know vampiric tendencies as like a blood disorder yeah um Mm. so it seems like he like in the movie they're trying to leave open the idea that there's a perfectly rational explanation for all this crazy stuff happening to people like, you know, getting younger, and then eventually your blood boiling in sunlight. Um, and so it had me wondering, you know, between that too and, and some of the explanations that the different characters had around like what happens when they die. Um, and, and, you know, knowing too that, that Flanagan, I believe is, is like a former Catholic now atheist. Yes.
3: Um,
2: oh, really? and, um, like it had me wondering if he was trying to at least open the door that even like, like the angel, like seemed like this very much counterintuitive to the rest of that portrayal of where this vampire stuff was coming from. So it had me wondering, like, could the vampire, could the, the angel have been like actually someone who stayed in this vampiric state for like far longer, like hundreds of years, like maybe after you finish um, de-aging uh, maybe you become you start to grow wings and you lose all your hair almost like a weird winged baby thing like you're almost becoming like <laughs> like maybe 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 becoming an angel is the state prior to life in this whole you know in the physiological explanation for where this thing comes from yeah um but on the other hand like if if if, if he's talking about wanting to portray an angel i mean i guess that still leaves the door open that they're could have been a a natural explanation for the whole thing and obviously the movie doesn't posit one way or the other but it's interesting to think of it going two different ways like is this the supernatural coming in or like the rest of it was there supposed to be a natural explanation for this crazy thing
0: well this being didn't look very natural Yeah, yeah, that's the, indeed. <laughs> and the thing is, is that he's uh, Mike Flanagan even said he wanted to go for the more traditional nose feratu. Uh, mm-hmm. He said he didn't want, which is a. Uh, Well, a vampire. Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker. (laughs) It's a take. It's a Um, take. Tough cruise. Yeah. 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 It's actually a take on Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't use so funny story. So when they originally made the film Nosferatu, in order to avoid copyright laws, they couldn't call it Dracula and they couldn't use certain keywords because then they would have had to have paid out Bram Stoker. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, they created Nosferatu and changed around the wording. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... But to hold on to those ideas, they uh they wanted to hold on to that and uh and they wanted to embody a more evil looking entity now. And mm. so to to circle back to the Middle East things like well, why would there be a vampire in the Middle East? If it is a fallen angel, there is some grounds for that, just so you know. Uh, let me read something for you from none other than the book of Jude, okay, which comes before Revelation. It says, the angels, too, who did not keep their own domain, but deserted their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains and gloom for the judgment of the great day. Now, from Second Peter, there are three corresponding verses for this. Um, for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but condemned them to the chains of Tartarus and handed them over to be kept for judgment. Okay, there's two. Now for the place. In Revelation 9.14, telling the sixth angel who held the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great banks of the river Euphrates, mm-hmm. which is the Middle East, right? So you have three corresponding verses right there about fallen angels being bound in the Middle East. To be honest, and I'm so, not
4: trying to like insult the intelligence of anyone involved in creating this show, mm-hmm. but I don't think they reference that and (laughs) i don't think that even came across the bible or those bible quotes i don't think they i don't think they referenced that to say like you know i'm seeing how you're you're trying to filter a i'm going to say something super unpopular oh yeah but like (laughs) filtering a like fake fictional movie that was made for the part purposes of entertainment Uh through the filter of like actual scripture and actual stuff that exists. We could do that all day, but I, I just feel like that was, well, that's the point of what we're doing today. I I, I know, I know, but (laughs) I don't know. There's part of me that's like, I just tell a vampire story, but telling a vampire story with like as much and they were, it was Catholic. It was called the Catholic church. It was, they were showing all these parts of the Catholic mass. I thought it was insulting as a Catholic. I thought it was insulting that they chose to, to use that. And I kind of felt guilty Mm -hmm. for watching it. Mm -hmm. You know, I still watched it because I, I wanted to see where they were going with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do like creepy things. I thought it was a little insulting. And I did read that. He was the, the, creator was catholic that turned atheist and i wondered how much of this was bitterness being shown because right when you're the creator of something you you set the tone you you write how your feelings and i wondered how much of this was bitterness
0: so i'm going to relate his experiences to gumby Mm -hmm. so (laughs) here's one of here's a quote by mike flanagan He says, I was shocked for the first time comprehending what a really strange book it is in reference to the Bible. There were so many ideas I'd never heard before in the church, and the violence of the Old Testament. God is terrifying, slaughtering babies and drowning the earth. It really struck me that I didn't know my faith at that point. Gumby? Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand that. Uh, You know, it's
1: interesting, though, because I... I kind of felt that way, too, as a non-Catholic watching this, like, all right, is this a part of me at first thought, is this going to be like kind of anti-Catholic propaganda? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and that was so, my thought. I think it totally was. And so there could be some of that. I mean, I guess that's a fair assessment, um, because at the end, everyone just was made out to look like a lunatic, right? Mm-hmm. And just crazy,
4: yeah. <laughs> I don't think there was anyone I, who came I, across I, I as think, like adherent to that and not a lunatic. But when I thought about that at the end, I thought,
1: you know, the symbolism was, I think, deeper than that. Much, I thought so. Too. When he reconciled with his wife and his daughter on the bridge, that to me was a broader story of all humanity, like
0: whether owned, you're, whether,
1: yeah, whether you're Catholic or whatever it is, your background. I'm like. Oh, sorry, guys. That was a big spoiler, wasn't it? <laughs> well, we said okay. it's a spoiler cast. That's we the whole did. point. We, we <laughs> called this think a
4: spoiler cast. This thing is
0: going to okay. <laughs> okay. spoil everything. Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah, it was meant to be. But if you've gotten me, this yeah.
2: far and you're not sure if we're spoiling it, guess what? We're spoiling <laughs> it. We
0: <laughs> the whole thing is it. a spoiler alert. Well, it's okay. <laughs> On social media today, I posted that we are spoiling it. Tonight, okay. So, okay.
1: <laughs> Well, for me, as the non Catholic watching that and looking back, I didn't have to be Catholic. To relate to everything that they went through at the end. because For me, that was just very human. Yeah. Like, man, I thought it was this. I thought I was doing the right
0: thing. And And in his his defense. I killed 50 people. (laughs) (laughs) In his defense, he purposely, like we said, that the like the homilies weren't that Catholic. He purposely made the homilies that way because he wanted to make evangelicals feel more welcome watching the movie. He actually said that in one of the interviews. He said, I wanted to make this more of a Christian movie with a Catholic overtone. He's like, so it's a Catholic. It's it's based around Catholicism. He's like, but I wanted to make sure that evangelicals could watch it as well.
4: Absolutely. Um, I mean, they wouldn't and, have had that lady in there.
0: Yeah. She well, I was think anyone evangelical could have watched this.
4: Anyone could have right. seen anything in this, you yeah. know? Well it that's great storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'll give it, I'll give that to him. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I a lot of his other projects I, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought the Haunting of Hill House was really good. Yeah. I thought the Haunting of Fly Manor was a little, it was not as good as the first one. I heard that too. Um yeah. and then this, I just felt like uh w- one really one thing that really bothered me was like why are the old people being played by young people? I understood it once they started turning young. Yes, that was it. Well, Henry Thomas, who played the dad, he didn't turn young. He looked a little younger at the end, to be honest. Maybe he was just more like lively or whatever. Yeah. But
0: I'm like, why are the old people being played by young people? You know why? This feels so hokey. So he could lift her up and and they wouldn't get sued for him throwing his back out. (laughs) Yeah. Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now that makes sense. Uh-huh. Oh. I was thinking
0: ahead. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, when the
4: one la- when the one when the mom of the one lady starts uh becoming younger, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, they're removing some of the makeup. Like yep. you can't do that with change it from one care actor to another. Right. So it makes sense. And um what
1: I, I would so that's where I would say that I, I would definitely uh, kind of agree with your assessment. And and to add on to that, it would really be if he was trying to insult just Catholics. I think he would be insulting, uh, you know, the Protestant side too. Miracles, yeah, extreme, you know, charismatic speeches and all of that. I'm like that. You know, the mm-hmm. priest became totally evangelical to me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I would have been right at home listening to someone like that, seeing miracles, seeing people getting up and walking. Right, you know? and so, and, and and was, I
2: imagine part of the reason he he made that, like you know, he like he kind of just borrowed like the communion part because that was a really pretty significant to the story, but other than that, like making it generically Christian in in many ways, I think the the critiques he was trying to levy against Christian religion, I think are pretty general. They're not specifically Catholic. Um, so like one that I'm trying to think of the proper term for this, but I feel like there is a deep critique in there for like the tendency of Christians of all stripes to turd polish like to take something that actually is terrible. I've never heard uh, and that. make he it sound good. It. so so I'll give you an example here so Everyone so fart. what I'm saying in the context of the movie is is like they were taking this thing that was like actually really terrible, which is becoming a vampire, <laughs> dying yeah. and becoming a vampire and making it sound like the second coming. and it was like maybe more of a critique not just of like the tendency to do that, but how easy it is to do that to take scripture and twist it in a way where this terrible mm. thing sounds good. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a more generic example, but a very specific recent example that comes to mind is I don't know if anybody's listening to the, um, the podcast from Christianity today, the rise and Paul of Mars Hill. Um, I have not Mars Hill was a a church. Ironically, that would have been near, uh, the, the Island in this story. Um, it was a church in Seattle, um, run by Mark Driscoll. And this guy was a very, uh, abusive pastor had, had very, uh, bad things to say about women. He had like put a lot of people under very severe spiritual discipline and and kind of became this tyrant. And is, you know, when, when there was a scandal that came out that he was basically like selling all, like, like beefing up his pre-sale numbers for his books by having his church buy his own books, uh, shortly thereafter, his whole church empire came crashing down. Um, And a a big critique about this particular podcast, because Christianity today, of course, is very invested in being the mainstream of evangelicalism. Uh, So if they critique Mars Hill too much, it's a critique of everything that, you know, their subscriber base is into. So a critique of the podcast has been that they've been very quick to be like, yeah, there was all this bad stuff going on, but check out all these souls that were saved, um, like, look at all these, these good things that happened here in the midst of this guy being an abusive tyrant. Um, so I think that's a really, a, a, a contemporary example of turd polishing where it's like, cause you saw some good fruit, you know, because the story, some people could say some happy things that happened during this terrible thing. We're going to make it sound amazing.
0: I am so gonna make a quote out of this. Wow! Yeah. Put it on a t-shirt. Turd,
1: turd polishing. Only in a field um, Bible.
0: Keith Keurig, the turn <laughs> polisher.
1: Wow. That's, that's a good assessment, Keith. I I, I, I see that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. So there's actually, so I have a, I have a quote from uh, one of the interviews that was that was covering this. It says. In Midnight Mass, this point of view is best encapsulated in Bev Keen, played by Samantha Sloan, a zealot committed to her interpretation of the Bible. Bev is so familiar with the good book, in fact, that she has a Bible verse to justify every horrifying action she or the Monsieur table or take to advance his mission, spreading the new gospel of his angel, quote unquote, vampire. Uh, The sacred verses manipulated into monstrous misrepresentations of their intentions used to excuse monstrous behaviors by their claiming to act in the name of a man whose whole deal was about love, acceptance, forgiveness, and mercy. On paper, Bev could come across as a ridiculous character, and in the series, there's a certain level of eye rolling that takes place behind her back even by other captive churchgoers but there are plenty of individuals in town who aren't as confident in their faith who are looking for certainty in an uncertain world they're drawn in by her single-minded advocacy no matter what she's mm-hmm. spouting. Mm. so interesting yeah there was there was this
4: pull towards that character for me okay and i didn't mm-hmm. know why i thought she's she's repulsive i hate her and uh <laughs> But you I'm like, why do, do I, why, why, why am I so interested in uh, <laughs> and where is this going with this person?
0: Yeah. You know, yeah.
4: Um, who are they? Who She's are very they? Convincing. What are they all about? She's
0: very convincing. She's yeah. very sure of what she about. right. Right.
4: <laughs> and like, why? Because there's always something behind that. Why is this person being like this? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No,
1: I agree. I That was the one character that I think that I, in maybe the worst way possible, related to the most. Mm
4: hmm. Yeah, you know? I agree. And I don't always that's, like
0: that's my background.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I don't always judge a teaching or some type of like a religion or any an institution by all of its followers. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they misinterpret, or sometimes people are go overboard, they're a little extra. Um, so it's like, okay, well, this yeah. lady's crazy, but maybe this isn't all crazy. But what really made me feel because I had that moment where I was like, well, maybe the vampire thing is a good thing. You know, I kept going back and forth, like, wait a minute, is it a good thing? Is it not a good thing? I'm confused. He saw Twilight, they're not all bad. <laughs>
2: you I know? mean, you got to stay inside, but you get to live forever. Hey, not bad. But, but I'm
4: like, but if
0: she, Who's like, six months of the year.
4: But if this Beth character, if she's like, if she's on board with it, I'm not on board with it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then when the kids, the two last kids who weren't infected, they were trying to get away. I was like, oh, yeah, like they're going to save their they're going to they're going to they're gonna be the ones that are saved. They are trying to escape something that's wrong. Like yeah. it is wrong.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: That's what changed my mind back. I think it's like, oh, vampire bad. I think with her. <laughs> Once you re- uh, for
1: me, the priest was being pulled by her and influenced by her at, enormously. At times, definitely. Yeah. And uh, to see the power that she wielded mm-hmm. over the whole community. Yes. Uh, points to really it, those who are truly convinced of their own self righteousness, for better or for worse, they have influence. Yes.
3: When they're, when
1: they're completely convinced of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was, and so that explains to me why she was able to manipulate the whole town. But I think that can only be done in isolation.
4: What is that?
0: I don't know what you're talking about. What is <laughs> that? I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, so makes a good. These are each sound effects for making different points.
4: Yeah. Oh, geez. what is this one? What does this one do? That one, nothing, nothing, at
0: Try all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is mostly for george so (laughs) who's not here so we're not using it (laughs) right exactly yeah
4: um yeah
1: she had influence and even when even when the priest was doubting himself after he had another spoiler alert killed his first person in that community right the drunk yes uh joe right yeah. yeah You could see that he was wrestling with that, inter- that internal conflict. Definitely. But she. Turned it around. In her cool. ways. Uh, manipulated and pushed mm-hmm. yeah. and, and instigated. And you could see that it was for her own benefit.
0: She's almost the Jimmy Swagger of the whole series. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, poor Jimmy. I'm just going to say, I did like how Riley, the character of Riley, was seeing the girl that he killed over and over every time he yes. went to sleep he was seeing the girl that he killed with like glass or something in her eyes yeah and i just thought well that freaked me out but i also liked mm-hmm. it and it was like one of his past two netflix series yeah. and i can't remember which one it was can you help me out here it was there was another one where a person was seeing someone who died
0: well i'm currently watching uh
4: uh, was it haunting ha- blind manor? The one before that, uh, hill haunting house. Of hill house. I'm watching that one right now. So, yeah, so. I can't even remember the context, but someone was seeing someone where who had died, oh, and you didn't oh, figure that. That is out haunting Tony hill, hill house.
0: End. Yes, haunting of hill house. You thought it
4: was like a mysterious, yes. like. Which we shouldn't talk about Scary right now. Because we're not talking about that one. Yeah. Right. But yes, you're right. You're <laughs> but right. Don't I spoil another one. How he used yeah. the same type of let's, concept. Let's not spoil that right
0: now because yeah, I have not I
4: watched it. It's <laughs> been out for like two years. Uh, Nine, well, two sure.
0: years. <laughs> Where the, the, she finds out it's her. It, it, she actually finds out, you know. Oh, that's later. something
4: else. Wait, did you oh.
0: spoil it now or not? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 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 You might be talking about, about no. About I'm Bly. talking about
4: Blind Manor. Okay, I've not. Yeah, watching, she's seen, seen that someone and she realizes it's someone who oh, passed okay. away.
0: I've not watched that one. Yet. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So interesting. I'll to check that out. Yeah. But you don't
4: know that till the end, and it's kind of like that. At okay. night, Shyamalan village, where you're like,
2: oh, I guess it's
4: not <laughs> scary. I don't,
2: don't know what not to watch now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's it. That's kind of like the. Crooked Neck Girl, right? Yeah. Inside uh, oh, it's not house of
4: Thanks for the scare. Like, you know
0: All <laughs> right. Well, that, that's that's kind of what I like about Mike Flanagan is he actually has more of a deep reflection mm-hmm. on things. He's not just blindly throwing jump scares at you. Yeah. Things actually mean something when yeah. he's writing them. Did you know that so, um Kate seagal is his wife? His wife. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I. She's a great actress. <laughs> she really oh, is. I didn't know that. Yeah,
4: and I think she's been in all three of those Netflix
0: I think you're shows right. that he's done. Yeah, I think you're right.
4: <laughs> so, how did you guys feel when the priest
1: speaking to Joe? Yep. When he in that moment with, uh, I forgot. Uh, in the cabin, is that where they're at? in his cabin? They're they're
0: in his yeah his his pair his small parish house yeah.
1: And Joe sensed he needed to leave. Yeah, but yet the pastor hugged him awkwardly and wouldn't let him go. It's because he could smell his blood. Right. Yeah. And he, you could see, but you could see that he was wrestling with he, not wanting
0: to do it. Yeah, he gave into his temptation. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, ironically, at first he just quickly let him go. Right. Right. And then he hits his head and then, the, and then once he sees the blood, then he gives into to it. Right. He almost, he almost overcame it.
1: Yeah. And Man, then he how, didn't. That was so well done. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Cause yeah. I mean,
1: he could have won either way. Yeah.
4: And
1: that yeah. would have been all right with, either
4: one yeah i and mean I, i'm not a writer with i people. think a good storytelling is like always keeping someone guessing
1: yeah you know like
4: cause conflict in air you know <laughs> cause conflict in Gumby. <laughs> cause feeling that it. the whole time like yeah. oh do this is good no this is bad yeah. no it's actually okay uh you know like going back and forth with everything and like what's going to happen next right and every episode was like all right, that's why I kept going with it. You know, I felt yeah. initially like this is insulting because, um Catholic mass is something that we, we you know we as Catholics hold very sacred absolutely. So I yeah. thought, oh, this is super insulting, but I do like to be scared, so um, and I do like to you know what happens next um, not that that not that that overshadowed you know, my my convictions, but. No, oh,
0: I understand where you're going with this because that's a quote. I'm the gonna... reason why I kept going with this, because I could see two sides of the argument the entire time. Mm-hmm. Riley, for example, the atheist, but is he really atheist? I would actually say he's more agnostic because
3: yeah, sure.
0: he, yeah, because he's not saying he doesn't believe in anything because that he does believe that afterwards he joins the rest of all of eternity as whatever eternity is, well, that's still something, even if he believes that there isn't a heavenly place he goes, he still believes his consciousness goes off to something, right? So, uh, and then, uh, even the um character, his uh, his wife, uh, what's her name again? I don't remember in the movie, well, Flagg's wife, yeah, Kate <laughs> her, Siegel. her character, Seagal? I don't Siegel, know, it's Huggle, Seagal, Seagal. Like that, yeah. uh, her character. Know. Uh, kind of can kind of converts almost his way of thinking but then it still is that my consciousness goes up to that great pool of consciousness afterwards kind of aaron thinking. what's that aaron aaron green is there that's it? Oh. that's, that's uh, aaron green thank you
1: oh that's Kate Sue yeah Oh, ding, 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 ding.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So So, the one that was pregnant. Well, what happened with the baby? I don't. Great question. I was going to ask
0: about that. Okay, I can explain that. All right. So so the baby was reabsorbed into her body because uh, with the way that the the vampiric virus, quote unquote, right, works, is that restores your body to its pristine uh, measure in life. Wherever you were, wherever, wherever your body was the most perfect, it restores it back to that point. Oh. And it, yeah, and so what it does is it sees the baby as a parasite. And I don't like that. I understand, but it sees the baby as a parasite, and so what it does is it, it reabsorbed the baby into her as part of her system. So, that doesn't actually happen sometimes, but that's what that quote-unquote vampiric and let's face it that's kind of how the vampire thing works right you absorb other people's life right Mm -hmm. so so it absorbed it back into her and used it to sustain her so Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and that part was a little confusing because it happened right around um yeah she wasn't where where lisa was healed and and i wondered if like the baby was sacrificed for lisa's being able to walk again
0: yeah yeah, she had Yeah, she had, there was different connections we could have made with that. Could have, yeah. yeah. So but she had, but everybody at that point who took communion already had the vampire blood in them. And so it's already in their bloodstream and it's already converting their bodies. Hmm. Yeah. Which is why the the one girl starts to walk after she's paralyzed because I, could, I couldn't remember at that point well, what is her name which uh Aaron? Aaron, yeah. if she had actually taken communion, she had. Okay, yeah, along with everybody else, except for Kylie. This part confused me a little bit the, because the sheriff, the sheriff's son. Yeah. So because this his oh. father kept saying he couldn't take communion, but he must have at some point because then he came back to life after he was shot. So at some point, because they didn't show all the masses, so at some point he must have taken communion. Oh, I so, thought he did. Interesting.
1: One time the father let him go. I must have
0: missed it. So, okay. Yeah. I was doing dishes a lot of times when I was <laughs> watching it. So, I'm pretty sure his father <laughs> gave him permission and let him do it. Okay.
2: Well, let him go to Mass. I don't remember giving permission. To, I mean, not that he could get permission anyway to take communion. Yeah. I didn't, that is kind of a little bit of a black hole there.
0: Yeah. I didn't remember him taking communion. But again it didn't show every time they had mass either. So it, it, it I felt think like it was implied. Yeah. I think it's insinuated that at some yeah. point he took communion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
2: Hmm. And obviously, uh, you know, father or Monsignor Pruitt, AKA father, Paul, spoiler, <laughs> uh, we already spoiled. So whatever um, was, was pretty intent on making sure everybody like, you know, you could, you could infer like he probably would have had everybody taken, right. even if they weren't supposed to, <laughs>
0: And I have to say uh again there that he treated I, I love the way that Flanagan actually did show a great respect to all of the religious overtones and he didn't play one over the other. How so? Well, think about it. Um but let's let's go back to Riley the Atheist, right? So Riley the Atheist, right before he dies, because he knows that Aaron's only gonna listen. If she sees something right, he's trying to save everybody on the island. So he sacrifices his life to show her, but she's only going to know what happens if she sees it with her own eyes. And so he goes to sacrifice his own life and allow the sun to burn him up. But he doesn't see her seeing him burn. He sees the girl he killed and the girl he killed is Fully whole now. Right. And she forgives him. Huh. So it's almost like in that moment, he sees his own Catholic faith again. And he is taking the repentance that he needed to go into the afterlife because it's not, he's not just an atheist burning up. He sees the person that he needed to, to have forgiveness from. And she grants him forgiveness. We pause right there. We're going to do. A word from our sponsor. If you ever wanted to train Muay Thai, perhaps there's no gyms near you, perhaps you work odd hours, perhaps, like a few of us, you don't like germs. Whichever way it goes, you can train online with some of the best instructors from around the country, either live or in class with other students. Living Muay Thai gives you the chance to do all of this and much more. So jump into live classes and on demand right now. dot Thai.com.
2: I wonder if that's like a little bit related to like the kind of like like the stars dancing or like the little mini beatific vision that everybody who becomes right. a vampire kind of sees, like they just see everything differently.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then and then if you if you look at uh at Father Pruitt. Right. Father Pruitt, he even though he did, he didn't always do the right thing. Right. But he owned his sin all the way through. Every time he did something, he owned it. Right. Because he knew that that was his sin. Right. And he owned his sin up until the end, all the way to the end. When he's on the bridge with with the, the woman that he loved and committed a sin with and the daughter that they birthed, he held them close to him because that was something he was owning the sin that he had committed so all the way through to the end he saw it all the way through so there's a lot of deep moral significance to each one of the characters and i love the ending because at the ending you really get to see three types of redeeming qualities right Well, I'm sorry, two types of redeeming qualities. Bev Keen is trying to dig her way to the sand, trying to hide. (laughs) That was great. I love it. Trying to hide from her own sin because she can't face the fact that she has sin. She thinks that she's still the right one, right? So she's (laughs) digging her way to the sand because she can't face her own sin. There was part of me that was like, why is she even trying? (laughs) You're
4: going to die. You're dead.
0: But then this is over. (laughs) But then you have Father Pruitt on the bridge owning what he had done with those that he had committed it with, right? Mm. You have the village people who realized they had had done the wrong thing. (laughs) And instead of trying to hide, they come together Mm. and they start singing a hymn, knowing that the hymn is going to be the last thing they ever do, right? They come together to sing a hymn to face the end together. And they unite together in that, singing a hymn.
3: Mm.
0: And then you have... the the father and son, you know, saying their last prayers to Allah together, right? So you have these different redeeming qualities of these people who had, many of them had done the wrong thing, but then knew they had done the wrong thing, owned their sin, and then they faced it. So it was this beautiful, like, repentant overtone to the ending.
4: What I thought was interesting was that after a lot of the people have changed, some people were just being wild and demons and monster mash and (laughs) like go around and kill everyone and eat them all up um and then some people were like man like this is weird we should fight against what we're feeling yeah yeah you know yeah that's true yeah like um there's a spectrum henry thomas like the the dad and and the wife the, Mm -hmm. the parents of riley yes they were like they they met each other up you know, in the middle of the street, and they're like, "Yeah, like what? What? What is happening?" Like
3: yeah. they
4: were vampires, <laughs> right? But they weren't doing vampire stuff. Yeah. Some of them were choosing not to do vampire stuff. Yeah. Some of them were letting those two kids get away. Yes. You know, to save themselves,
0: I'm like, interesting. I know there were so many cool overtones to the ending, yeah. and that's why that's actually what made the ending so beautiful. Is it does you, not take away from
4: me thinking that it was very, very insulting. But and no, you can, that's yeah. fine, that's fine. And I, that won't change. Um, but there was some, see, there was some good production value but, in
0: it. Sure. See, I saw the other end of it because. So, just so we understand, uh, wait before we hit that point, let's go ahead and pour Gumby's uh, uh, bourbon right here. Hmm. <laughs> so Gumby, this. divvy this up. While you are giving it up, I'm going to tell you what we're having. This is from Cleveland uh, Whiskey. This is the rye whiskey finished with black cherry wood. Hmm. All right. You appearance... know you're going to taste
4: the last one, the pumpkin. Oh, okay. you know it.
0: <laughs> There's a uh, creamy Thank you. Mm-hmm. caramel overtone. This is a sweet mellow oak gives way to creamy vanilla and butterscotch with overtones of baking spice and a candy-like fruit-forward finish. Mm. Soft on the front, slight spice on the way down, with a linger of dried cherries on the palate. How thoughtful. (laughs) And again, this is from Cleveland Whiskey. It's a a Cleveland original. And so, of course, we have to feature it, right? So, uh, gentlemen, cheers. 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 Ooh, you smell that? Oh, I know it. You can't have it without a cigar, though. That is, uh yeah, I can smell it before even tasting it I can mm. smell the vanilla. I can mm-hmm. smell the vanilla. That's just, wow. That is breathtaking. That is beautiful.
4: We can smell the Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> smells uh, like crippling depression, huh? <laughs> We have had a la- we have had a good last like 15 years. Ooh. You know we're not the Cleveland of the 90s anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah. That is not bad, man. It's tasty, and it's not it's not heavy. It's light. Mm-hmm. Wow, but it definitely has a a straightforward on the front. You could taste the the cherry vanilla almost. It's like a cherry vanilla. Yeah, the cherry is super strong. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoy their whiskey. Yeah, that's really actually really nice. Yeah. And, and rye in general, mm-hmm. rye is one of my favorite types of bourbons and whiskeys, mm-hmm. just because there's so many character notes to it. Yep. Um, I, I love most bourbons, but when you have a rye, there is more. I, and this is a personal opinion, but there's often more of a, uh, a, a tonal complexity. Yep. So. Yeah, hats off. That is, that is very good. That is actually really good, and it's not heavy. I mean, I think anybody who uh, remotely enjoys different whiskeys could enjoy this, right?
1: It's not, but it, you know, you can really taste the complexity, which I appreciate mm. because it's very unique. Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: I t- I mean, I do taste the cherry all the way through, yeah, and then it just keeps getting a little stronger at the end. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you notice that?
0: Mm, There's good. a spiciness on the end. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like they threw a, a caramel cookie at the end or something. <laughs> See, the caramel for me is in the beginning, and then and here we, we go, get, cherry. It's carrying through. It's it's pretty good.
2: <laughs> it's like a movie in like alcohol form, where different people can. i alcohol. Ways.
0: Wouldn't that be interesting?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
4: We're gonna pair this with like, a cigar. I did find it insulting, but it does have good production value. <laughs> mr flanagan have your people call my people we'll talk about it i don't actually have people people this
2: beer desecrates the catholic (laughs) past
0: to go back to that idea though um because there is there's there's something to that um i do hear what you're saying and i don't fully disagree so and i i believe they meant for this to have those overtones because on the flip side of this let's say uh satanic masses and black masses and, and the other side because they make reference to fallen angels right mm-hmm. um well what's the what's the reverse of a mass
4: and that a is black something mass right Right, that is something a fallen angel would probably do if they right. could do that type of stuff yeah absolutely have a mass like that and masquerade it as a
0: a valid Catholic mass. Yeah, and, and even exorcists will tell you, there. the reason why fallen angels will often accompany things like black masses and stuff like that is because they, they mimic what is beautiful and good, right? So, so they will have a black mass instead of a righteous mass. So if this quote-unquote vampire, fallen angel, whatever, is representing evil, then that would be appropriate because it would be trying to take over the mass for himself. And that's kind of like what we see. Hmm. So we do see him trying to take that mass over with his own blood, instead of the blood of Christ. It's the blood of this demon, this fallen angel, right? So you, so I, I see that, that parlay back and forth. I don't see it as something that is uh, making fun of it. I actually see what fallen angels actually do. Hmm. so
1: how interesting it is to think that she wouldn't have forgiven i mean it's implied that she wouldn't have forgiven joe for shooting her to become crippled unless she had that blood in her yeah yeah isn't that kind of hard to conceptualize
0: yeah (laughs)
1: I mean, would she have done it other way? I mean, maybe. It wasn't, wasn't until she had the healing that, that she could forget. Until she could actually yeah. get up and walk herself and face him. There's something to that. There is definitely I don't know. But
4: I, you know, I think that was, to think a, that that was like, a powerful uh, moment in the movie for me. Not to insult um, the creator and director and everyone that was involved. Um, I generally think, like, it, anyone who writes a script like this do they pour over these little details of how each scene is going to be interpreted by different people or, oh, and then no, re, redo it and redo it
0: and redo it. It depends on its director. You like, know, like, I don't want a Michael Bay or a Kubrick because those are two who totally, like, Yeah, like, if I, it's Michael Bay, how big was the explosion and how pretty is the girl? Yeah, <laughs> uh, those are all <laughs> only tricks. And not in um, that
1: order necessarily. Not,
0: not necessarily. <laughs> or is it a Kubrick where he'll, where he'll shoot a single scene 125 times, right? So, you know it's what a genius that dude is yeah you know. so We'd never gotten to the moon without him right. that's a future episode did did I say that out loud?
2: <laughs> so that, that scene with the, the the you know her lisa forgiving uh joe yeah almost feels like that kind of um that false flag people criticize that mars hill podcast i was just talking about for where like they're there could be this thing that's totally bad that actually has legit good fruit, like forgiveness or
0: people that, that's coming the to... I to.
4: Yeah, I was identifying yeah. with. I yeah. honestly, like, did anyone else think that she was going there to kill him?
0: I thought it was possible.
1: I
4: think it could have went either way. Yeah. And when she got more and yeah. more heated and noticed the gun on the you're wall, you're waiting for it. I was like, she's gonna kill him. Yep. Because maybe she's a vampire or she's something evil and she's going to kill him. <laughs> yep. And I was literally surprised when she didn't. Yeah. But I thought it was a powerful scene like, oh, to forgive someone, you know, but to only forgive someone when once you're healed.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you Not forgive them in the midst if of you suffering. got, got so what out of it. it. Yeah. Uh, well yeah because at the end she says i can't feel my legs right right oh right that's
4: right i forgot that yeah because now she's healing
0: Mm -hmm. now she's what healing she's healing in other words the vampire blood's leaving
1: her so sometimes in order to get the healing
4: that we need for her soul we have to go through suffering yeah and so that was a false healing
0: yep there's, uh, I will point out. So, uh, Decider did a, did a did a which kind of surprised me. They did an article on the religion in Midnight Mass, which is, if I recall right, Decider is actually a uh, a secular site. What is it called? Decider. Um, I recall right, right, they're a secular site of media, or uh, not media like media, but media like like movies and TV shows. Hmm. Um, they said uh, this is a quote from that article. Hell and Christianity are near constant themes in horror. They appear in the best of the genre, such as The Omen, Poltergeist, and The Exorcist, as well as the very worst, by the critically panned but commercially successful Ouija. But more often than not, religion serves as a set dressing for these projects. At their root, most religiously focused horror movies deal with the same question. What would you do if something bad happened to someone you loved and you couldn't explain it? The best of supernatural horror navigates this question without paying much attention to the theological debates circling this subgenre. The worst turns real people's faith into a cartoon. That's never the case in Midnight Mass because faith and religion are never a backdrop in in this universe. They're the entire point. This respectful treatment also applies to how the show treats Sheriff Hassan. A devoted Muslim, the only things that Sheriff Hassan wanted were the safety of the island and for this son to be raised in the same faith as him and his late mother. When Bev challenged this by distributing Bibles to her students, Sheriff Hassan explained why that has a problem in episode three. Over the course of only a few minutes, he broke down some of the biggest misconceptions about the Muslim religion, explaining that he knows about Jesus, believes in the word of Jesus, known as the gospel of Injil, believes the Bible contains some of the original word of God, believes the Quran is the literal word of God rather than a text that has been corrupted by man's interpretations, and that Muslims encourage everyone to seek knowledge and to come to their own conclusions about religion. Throughout Sheriff Hassan's explanation, he is the one present as the voice of reason, never Bev. Once again, respect and compassion to people who are the traits, midnight mass high points, never who is quote unquote right. Ultimately, we don't know what happens when we die. No one can say for a fact whether or not there is a God or what he or she deems to be right. Midnight Mass is the rare show that's able to look that uncertainty in the eye, and dissect it in a way that feels emotionally honest and fair. It's never religion itself that's on trial in Midnight Mass, but our relationship with it. That quiet respect to all people marks one of Flanagan's most creative, creative strengths. That,
1: that's, that's a very great point. I love that scene when he was explaining his uh, faith to them. Yeah. And uh, it's very true. Yeah. He no, was I, probably, true. I felt, not, not that I related to the most, because that was the other lady right from my background. <laughs> but he's the one, I would say, his, his character grounded me the most within the movie. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And to be honest, uh, the Muslims I know are, are predominantly, um, I know one or two that are not so much, but most of them are very, uh, reasonable people; they understand their faith. Uh, okay. They have great respect for Christianity, um, we, and we get along very well. Um, I mean, some are kind of like the other Christians that I know as well, who actually don't know their faith, but um, will still go to the mosque. But then the other ones I know, like like you know, like uh Khalil and them, they're very they're very staunch in their faith. They know their faith. Uh, they can quote their faith, and they're very. Deep in knowing which sides are like Christianity, which sides they agree with, which sides they don't. Um, I would encourage our listeners to go back and listen to our Islamic episodes because uh, we do have uh, bring a Muslim on the show who knows his faith very well and uh, speaks very highly of his relationship. That's right. So, uh, uh, great respect with him. And again, I have great respect for the uh, the Islamic people that I know who are deep in their faith because of that. And and uh, what most don't know is that in Catholicism we actually have a deep relationship with uh, with the Islamic faith, um, seeing as th- seeing them as one of the Abrahamic religions that that we can participate in and with well, in certain talk, aspects.
1: Let's talk about his position of authority on the island.
0: <laughs> He's the
1: sheriff. He's the sheriff. Uh-huh. He's the authority on the island, right? Right. Well, even today, at the, in the Holy Land, the what's the the most important uh, temple there? Oh, uh, the Blue Rock. Yeah. Yes, Dome of the Rock. The Dome of the Rock. Well, it depends on whose side you're calling it from, I guess. But it's not uh, in control of the the Palestinians nor the Jewish people. The. Uh, but Muslims still are the police over it and hold the keys to it as a
0: mediator between the two. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's there's there's a we'll do a whole episode on that because there's a whole bunch of small little nuances there, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Um, because and we we touched on it a little bit back when we did the episodes of the temple, but there's been more stuff that has uh, come to light. So we should definitely do a follow up, maybe the temple part two. Mm. <laughs> um that because cool. they're yeah, that one wow yeah that's been a, it's a while back yeah
4: i saw a like really fascinating piece on i think it was on disney plus but it was like by national geographic or something about the opening of christ's tomb yes um, i heard about that like recently in the past few years and they touched on how like keith they you touched. got small. They touched Keith. What? No, they did not touch Keith. This is ridiculous. Well, we, we, no one is touching Keith. Um,
2: Keep going. Nobody's touching me.
4: <laughs> except that angel behind you. Um, They touched on the fact that, like, they're like, look at that ladder on top of that roof. That hasn't been moved in 20, 30, 40 years because this group and this group and this group cannot, cannot, like, agree on it. Right. Like so something as simple as a ladder being moved, they weren't able to do because there's so much conflict and so much. I, I don't even know how to weigh into that. Yeah. So I it's, don't want to. There's a lot of
0: politics when it comes to the Middle East and um the different religious areas, especially the three, you know, uh Abrahamic religions, you know. Yeah. So I mean, there's even different sects of that because then in the, in the Holy Land, the big two would be Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox, whereas on the Muslim side, it would be the Sunni and the Shiite. And, the, um, and even on the Jewish side, there's um, there's different sects of the of the Jewish leadership there. So um, there would be uh, – he populated. Holy cow. <laughs> so, Hi. So there's, there's different elements even in that, right? So again – We'll be doing a follow-up to that, obviously, because there's more stuff that has come to light, Sure. So. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Hmm. We need to take a quick second
1: and talk about this cigar. This thing is amazing. Insidious.
0: It, yep, it, uh, insidious, insidious yep, insidious, yeah. So I picked these up uh, about a month ago and I've had them in the humidor. How you like it? I like it, I like it a lot. I'd say cedar,
1: leather, and a little bit of spice. I get that,
0: yeah. I definitely. Well, I, I get got this, the Maduro, so I don't.
1: You got a different wrap. Than that, huh?
0: Yeah, I definitely get a little bit of that. This one's lighter, mm-hmm. and it's uh oh, There's some earth in mine. How it's much? definitely a lighter. Um, There is a uh, what's a cedar? It's it's a lighter. It's a lighter wood flavor. Like nut or something?
4: Balsam, yeah. Balsam (laughs) wood. I'm just (laughs) gonna. I don't smoke, so I don't know anything about this. That's why I'm not partaking. But I did notice that you dipped the end of it. Was it a lighter?
1: I did dip mine in my uh, in my whiskey. (laughs) Tastes like licking the inside
0: of a mahogany chest.
1: In the best way possible, Keith.
0: In the oh, best yeah. Way you know it almost has like a teak flavor to it. I would say almost, almost a very light teak. You've uh, eaten teak? Yeah.
4: Okay.
0: No, but I, I have a teak. Have,
4: teak I, self, st- so I <laughs> smell some cherry.
1: Are there bad. any cigars that have like a little bit of bath balls that are at the bottom of the teak chest? <laughs>
0: Sorry. Yeah.
1: It's
0: almost like a, it's like a light teak There's flavor. a
1: sweetness to it. Yeah. Yeah, there is.
0: Yeah, I'd say it, it tastes a little bit like a, a good spice with Absolutely. a little bit of teak. Yep. That's what I'm getting. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well I'm enjoying it. It's good.
4: I say I don't smoke anything, but now I'm really interested. I'm gonna smoke some teak ah! when I get home.
2: <laughs> Smells like teak spirit. <laughs>
4: oh <laughs> let's go, teak.
0: <laughs> hey, we're not using this chair, are we, honey? <laughs> oh, There was a, uh, so I actually grabbed from American Magazine, which is a Jesuit magazine. I grabbed uh, some highlights from a priest uh, who gave some interesting side notes because he had watched the series and had some very interesting things to say about it. Mm. So um, to kind of get into where he sits, let's see. He says, the show's depiction of sin, the theology of midnight mass is on target. Monsieur Pruitt is himself a victim of sin. He stumbles into a Judean cave where evil attacks him and leads him into sin. Like the rest of us, he is predisposed to this assault. We eventually learn that he still carries an old sin, that he secretly fathered a child with a woman on the island that he has always been in love with. It's a sin that he is not willing to wash away. Not if, like his youth, it can be revived. One of the most valiant characters in Midnight Mass is the local sheriff, played by Rahul Kohli, I think he is his name. Mm-hmm. I know, I, uh-huh. I'm sure I'm butchering no, it's that. That's about right. Um, and his son, Ali. Let us know for Rama. Are the holy Muslims on the island? <laughs> Before Sheriff Hassan confronts the macabre evil that haunts the island, he stands steadfast against a religious extremism that would sweep away the separation of church and state in favor of a newly arrived kingdom. Whose kingdom? And who decides to get?
2: <laughs> so is The he- great
0: villain of the show is not Monsieur Pruitt, who dies repentant. It is the church lady, Beth Keane, played by Samantha Sloan. What else can one call her? She's a sacristan, Eucharist, minister, lecturer, catechist, and all about town, judgmental activist. She mm. lurks evil in the face, decides that it is just the just tonic this sick world needs. Bev Keen is the avatar of the religious zealots who ravage America today. They see a sin, typically one that they say themselves would never be tempted to commit. And they are willing to wipe away tolerance, patience, and compassion itself in their desire to strike at it. They quote generously from scripture and tradition. Their only criterion is that the judgment might, might be directed toward others who have sinned. Only self-introspection is banished. Where is the theology of Midnight Mass off target? in It's understanding of the afterlife. We are are offered three versions. The first is proposed by a penitent alcoholic atheist, Riley Flynn. He suggests that near-death experiences, which seem to promise so much, are nothing more than the chemically saturated last throes of consciousness. Aaron Green, his once and future romantic partner, um, counters that version with the most Catholic of heavens, a peace where loves are united and live forever at the pinnacle of their years, even the unborn. Later, Aaron offers another view, evidently Flanagan's own. There is a unity to the cosmos, an ancient, undisturbed t- tranquility. It is the human consciousness that is the disturbance, the fleeting, unsettling dream. Yet come the end, the delusion of human life are to be drowned in a sea of eternity. There are no statues of the saints in the Crocside Island St. Patrick's Church, and the crucifix is mostly draped. The eternal, for Flanagan, has no eyes, no heart, no communion with us. I understand the seductive appeal of this view, but I would point out that I cannot explain why Riley Flynn is a penitent atheist. Why he struggles so so valiantly against alcoholism. How can one regret a dream, even a nightmare? Nor does it explain why many of the island's residents, having confessed their guilt, await the judgment of God with acceptance. No one who holds this view can comprehend why the Muslim sheriff dies praying, or even why he resists the tyranny of prejudice in the first place. Why should one strike against evil if it's only an illusion? And why in his last living moment does Monsieur Pruitt cast aside his clerical collar and embrace a woman he is in love with secretly? Why at the last confess a lie if human life itself is a delusion? And then there is the creator of the series, Mike Flanagan, the former altar boy turned atheist. Mike, this old priest insists that you are more Catholic than you know. Hmm. You want God, but you fear being disappointed by God. You believe in sin, not just as an (laughs) extrinsic rebellion against an imagined potentate, but as a true revolt against the goodness of our own nature. And you believe that sin, once committed, takes on a life of its own, one that haunts people and places, one that must be resisted. You are quite sure that we will all be subject, priest and people, to its allure and its alienation. Only the true virtuous see the horror that sin is, and they have the free will to resist it, even though others do not. You still know your catechism. There's a goodness outside us, one greater than the evil that haunts us. If we seek out, if we openly open ourselves to it, if we learn to sacrifice that, sacrifice ourselves to it, it will yet dispel the terrors of the night.
4: Wow. I like that.
0: So,
1: so Riley's younger
0: brother—I
1: hmm? uh, forgot his name—but he was he was also an altar boy, right? Yep. Never,
0: never took communion. No, well, no, he did. But remember, he didn't suck anybody else's blood. So, so he had a predisposition, and, and, and he never died. So to become a vampire, and they—they they actually pulled this from Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker professed that you weren't a vampire until you had taken blood and died and then come back. Because he was highly skeptical
1: because, remember, he got caught catching the priest, pour something in. Yes. Right? Yep. And, but yet he stayed quiet.
0: Mm-hmm. So the two that survived never died.
1: Mm. I was kind of happy for him when the girl got healed and they snuck off. <laughs> i gotta be honest <laughs> like all right it's all implied it's all there
0: <laughs> you're like oh don't oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Those> be kids <laughs> yeah the uh so overall i really enjoyed the series mm-hmm. and i see the points are being made and again i don't I didn't see it as a slap in the face for Catholicism. I actually saw it as the war between the dark side and the light side, because that is what the dark does. It tries to mimic by creating dark masses. It tries, we know there's dark masses. In fact, we know that there are Satanists that try to steal the Eucharist to create dark masses, right? So so I saw this as a representation of the evil trying to take over what was good. I just keep reading this this you know um,
4: he's challenging Mike Flanagan like directly he's making a direct challenge to him and this is like something I saw a few years ago on TV I saw I don't even remember the guy's name he was the president of like the Catholic League or something talking about Lady Gaga and all her
2: Oh, Bill Donahue
4: imagery or whatever. Yeah. I don't know the guy. I don't know anything about him or his politics. I don't want to get into that, but I did see a thing where he was saying, um, like Stephanie call us like we're, we're that's lady Gaga's real name. Call us like you're still a Catholic. Give us a call. Like, let's talk about this. Let's have lunch and talk about this, Yeah. you know? And I thought that was interesting for someone to go on TV and, um, directly like call someone out like that and i think this is interesting for him to speak like this now knowing if he'll ever even see this i don't know maybe somebody on here knows him well um, I'll put to but- you this
2: like, that goes into kind of like i, I kind of saw him planning and holding up a mirror to i mean not just the catholic church but probably chris you know christianity and maybe even more specifically american christianity in general um, where he's like, he's trying to critique things, but you can tell he cares because I think the way he critiques them is not just trying to like score points, but actually like trying to make a good point. Being like, you could you could do things differently here and have a better result. One thing that 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 was occurring to me, uh, uh, some that struck me was um, maybe a critique of evangelization. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think of like Bev's approach versus Father Pruitt's approach, where Father Pruitt was really insistent on keeping all the newly minted vampires in for the night so they can understand yes, like who they are and 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 what they're meant to do. So it's kind of like juxtapositioning the good intention of the keepers of the faith versus like almost like Bev was a, almost like a conquistador. Like, oh, we have a mandate to convert the heathens. So I'm just gonna send them straight out and hope <laughs> they get off the island and, and convert the whole world to our new way. Um yeah. so like this 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 critique of like the the destruction that's wrought when we just go trying to shove it down our throats you know people's throats like literally in this case you know shoving it through their throats and killing them and then <laughs> them rising again in some twisted way um that that but but flanagan's also saying like there there was possibly a better way even though father um, Pruitt was you know ultimately mistaken in his intentions he had good intentions and he had some kind of plan for them to be manifested more purely than they were by Bev,
0: right
1: yeah 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 Yeah. i agree it was a slow burn and he got there but yeah um one of the reasons why i think ultimately let me preface this with this that i don't i don't believe uh much of what the media puts out in terms of uh criticism towards the catholic church because when you look at the media's Critique of the Catholic Church today over the last twenty something years, maybe even longer. What is the one thing they always try to throw under the bus? Well, abuse. Right. <laughs> none of that was implied or even in, you know insinuated within this. I thought for sure. And I appreciated that.
0: I, yeah,
4: I did appreciate that too. I thought, yeah, that because I thought be if thing. it was
1: going to be an all-out smear of the Catholic Church,
4: mm-hmm. that's that's easy prey, right? Yeah. And the other Quote thought unquote, I I did have throughout this well, whole thing, and now that I'm reading this. Um, Challenge to Mike Flanagan by Father, I don't remember his name. I don't see his name up there. Whoever he was, the priest.
0: I, um, I, have, I have links for it. It'll be, it'll be in the slideshow.
4: Okay. Um, <laughs> well, now that I'm reading this, it kind of like gives validity to what I was thinking the whole time is that like, I always try to understand a person's mind, like, If I see a show that's really messed up, I think whose mind did this come out of? What happened to them in their lifetime? Like Weinstein, what are yeah, what are they? Like what have they dealt with that they're now trying to show us in their like art? Um, This the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I bet this was a person that used to be Catholic and is now not. And then I find out that that's true. Yeah, Um, and I think every. I don't think there's any such thing as atheism, like pure atheism. You can't be. Where people are like, I am absolutely positively sure there's nothing. Like, it, I don't remember who said it was a Catholic saint or maybe Fulton Sheen or so, somebody like that. Somebody in Catholic groups that said or circles that said it takes more faith to be an atheist because you have to be sure of yourself. <laughs> you have to be sure that that's not sure. Yeah. you know um i don't think he's totally an atheist and i think he why did you make
0: this Yeah. right you
4: wouldn't yeah you wouldn't even touch I, the subject anymore if you're done with it
0: yeah and i don't think he's a full i think i think he's more agnostic because if you look at his last statement or when aaron's dying uh when she's dying i think she's professing his view and his view is that our consciousness goes back to wherever the pool of consciousness is, right? Mm-hmm. So I believe he does believe there is some form of afterlife.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, the things he writes tends to show that he does believe there is some form of afterlife. I don't think he believes in an organized religion. I don't think he actually understands what he believes right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's trying to figure it out. And I, and I think you see that, you know, in things like his haunting film or uh, series – um and you see that in in him doing this and he's trying to figure out what he believes.
4: Yeah. Um have you ever talked to an atheist and you realize they're getting really upset when you're talking to them? They're not just even killed and like, yeah, there's nothing. Um people get upset and I and I realize like, what are you guarding right now? Yeah. There's some type of feeling that you're having that you're guarding. Absolutely. And that might be that you're not sure that you're an atheist. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is like, I walked through a cemetery the other night, the other day, and I thought, this is a reality. We are all going to die. Yep. This is the truth. This is a thing. The we're all going condition. to boil, boil down to a stone that people may or may not ever pass again. And it, let's say we're all atheists and we believe in nothing. This is what we will boil down <laughs> to. Does I that mean I'm Ooh. right? <laughs> awesome. You, <nailed> um, <laughs> you win the prize. Thanks. <laughs> What's the prize? Uh, cigar. You want more no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. I, um, but that's I, the truth, if you're an atheist, like that's the truth to everyone across the board. We will die. And so there is something that has to be reconciled in everyone's life. And we have to all come to terms with something. So I don't think that there's any true atheists
0: out there. I would agree with you because when we talk about – and I've had most atheists – not all, but I've had most atheists admit this to me where I say, are you an atheist or agnostic? And he's – and he, and there was a she who said, well, we use the term atheist, but no true atheist is actually atheist. We just don't know.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So. What were you
4: going to say, Keith? <laughs> uh, I,
2: I mean, actually, I'm glad you said that last part because it made me think – he seemed like a seeker and he almost, I was starting to wonder, maybe just cause I had read some of his material recently. I i, I was starting to wonder if he had been reading some like father Richard Rohr, Um, Cause he seemed to be setting up the kind of like the Richard Rohr. I'm
4: not a fan. Absolute
2: certainty no. <laughs> versus like, like Bev is like, you know, we have to be certain in these things and it's a narrow path. And it's only open to these people who have these rules set down and follow this narrow path versus like embracing the uncertainty and that we can't truly know mm-hmm. and that there are elements in the truth that are manifested everywhere among, you know, the, the atheist agnostic, um, in Riley and, you know, under the Muslim, under the sheriff and and under everybody else, even Bev. Um, and like some, some of the characterizations of, of, you know, kind of everybody kind of going to this, you know, one place it's kind of kind of like a universalism it was it was pitching it made me wonder if he had been reading richard rohr um and which would make you wonder like maybe he's more of a seeker because richard rohr tends to attract people from a lot of different faith traditions he does Ooh. yeah
0: that he does he definitely draws a lot of people there's um and i i try to take the good from everybody and uh, not to criticize because i do believe that there is an element that everybody kind of brings to the table you're richard Rohrers, your bishop barons your there is an element that everybody kind of brings to the table and what i like about people like them is that they'll forego legalism in order to try to meet people where they're at and isn't that like the root of the gospel is to meet people where they're at but rather than tell them well this this is what it is and then otherwise you're just wrong
4: no, I'm sounding a little Bev Keenish. Here, but,
0: um,
4: don't you think that sometimes it's the right thing to do to call people out on their garbage? Instead of saying like, well, we're all just on the same path. We're all seeking the same. Thing but the thing well. is, is
0: that I believe you have good to people, guide people to just where there person. is truth. We have to guide people to where there's truth, because let, let's relate to what to children. I if, hear you if, on that. If you just say you're wrong, then there's not going to listen to you because you didn't give them any alternative. right? That's true. So you're isn't it better off to say, I understand where you where you are, and this is where I am. Let's meet halfway, build some bridges. I mean, that's I, I think people make more progress when they can do that. I see both know? sides. Yeah.
4: I mean, there's there's part of me that with a lot of stuff that's going on in the world right now, I think you know, in the news, you think, how many times do you have to call someone stupid to bring them to your side? But because that's not going to happen. You're, right? Exactly.
0: Right? Exactly. Like, that's not gonna
2: happen. <laughs> yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. No. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so yeah, I understand it. I get it i mean then i see the other side too like i don't know i can't explain it here today but i know what i'm thinking i just can't get it out yeah i think well, I, or I the think, secondhand smoke it,
0: I, I, i'm I think, delirious <laughs> i think everybody reaches a point where they just don't they can't express for what they're trying I know I've done on the podcast many times. We're like, what I mean to say is you'll hear in a future podcast. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> what we mean to say is you have to be an exclusive member first <laughs> to truly know what we need. It <laughs> goes talk. into the
2: Patreon. offering
0: that you guys offer? <laughs> will, oh, this yeah. is why we do follow-ups. And because, is it coming? <laughs> yes. Actually, there's many things coming because every time we do a podcast, we realize, well, there's 10 more things we could talk about this. Um so, But there is – I would like to reach the point where – and I hope that Bible of Bruce helps with this – where all of us can reach a point where we can build bridges mm. and then everything is once, once water under the bridge. And now we have understanding where everybody is at. And we don't have to be on everybody's island as long as everybody has a bridge to see where everybody else is coming from. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to do
1: that when you, when you're on one extreme, mm-hmm. right? So this is where I think, you know, having enough spiritual self-awareness to understand that not everyone a, is going to be where you're at. And some people yeah. may be further than where you're at, but allowing an open enough atmosphere that you can still discuss it. Yes. And have a safe place to do that. Hence Bible Bruce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: right. This, this sounds should, like Riley and Aaron like they they built up trust exactly. and were able to exactly. build mean, that bridge right at the very end kind of or
0: in the AA I meetings mean, right
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, AA yeah. meetings, wasn't it I, I love I, that I loved their talk where they both had opposing views of eternity but they could both quietly listen to each other without interjecting mm-hmm. their opinion on each other exactly. and they could appreciate each other's viewpoint oh is that what you think I do to you no no no, no. no I'm just I <laughs> <It> was like <laughs> <laughs> thing is is that, that was such a beautiful scene that was about building bridges, right? Where they could mm-hmm. understand each other's viewpoint without saying the other one was wrong, and they could understand I, the value of each other's view.
2: Yeah, I love how they returned to that at the very end when Aaron was dying, like how they yeah, they exactly. they let that bridge literally sit as a bridge through like half of the series.
4: Mm-hmm. And I loved how yeah. Aaron just died.
0: You know then <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at the end, if you real if you, if you see her her view is actually different than both of the views they had previously professed.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, so it's really <laughs> interesting how you you know you again, you can build those bridges, understand where people are coming from and appreciate everybody for who they are, even at the end, we may not all see the same way. But if we can all understand where everybody is coming from, we can all appreciate how we can have common ground.
1: I agree agree with that. That's where I think politics fails miserably.
4: Miserably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On all sides. Yeah, (laughs) Let's not get too deep into that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that'll be a future that be a future that'll be, podcast that'll be
2: bruised over news next time
1: <laughs> but even spiritually we fall into that trap Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. and well let me say let me take that back religiously we fall into that trap you some know?
4: people see their religion through the view through the filter of their their politics and their politics through the filter of their well i, I actually do think you should side on with your politics through the filter of your religion and not vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not like a Catholic who is a Catholic because I'm this side or that side. But because it's because I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. and wherever that falls politically, I well, that's I'm not why I'm responsible I, for that. <laughs> that's why, you know, even me not being Catholic, I really,
1: really always uh respect and appreciate Richard Rohrer's books because I feel like he allowed for that safe space for me to learn about the Catholic side of things yeah. from some point of view and embrace certain things. And uh, I feel like falling up
0: is probably his pinnacle. Falling right there. upward.
1: Oh, yeah. I love that book. Yeah. Second half of yeah. life. the second, that theme is just something where I feel like it's, it's a humanity issue the second half of life
0: yeah that it, we all get to it goes past the the walls that we call religion exactly or politics yeah or whatever yeah. social structure we can create it breaks those walls down and it kind of tries to build that common ground mm-hmm. to try to pull people in and realize it's the opposition to each other that creates the problem.
1: you almost mm-hmm. call it theosis it, it's
2: it's like the exact opposite of like a book starting with everything you know is wrong. Like, it, like he typically <laughs> actually works with like, Oh, you're a beloved child of God. You know, all these things by living. Mm. Like, let me, you know, reflect on that and, you know, throw some new stuff in there.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's where I, I truly appreciate probably more than controversial people. Cause it's like, I love the Richard Rohrs the Bishop Barron's uh, and a lot of mainstream, well not want to a lot of uh a lot of traditional Catholics hate them right they 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 hate Richard Rohr they really really hate or dislike Bishop Barron but it's these people building the bridges that help people see but do the- you know any
4: traditional Catholics because what I noticed about 20 minutes ago you mm-hmm. said I love the Richard Rohr's and yeah. the Bishop Barron's and the yeah. And then you said it the same way this time, the Richard Richard Roars, the Bishop yeah. Beards, and the and I'm like, do you know any other ones?
0: Yeah, the Jimmy Swagger. Well, yeah, actually. So <laughs> yeah, so so to tell you the truth, yeah, I was going to dive a little bit deeper in like your Balthazar's and your origins and your um, the people a living living people who
4: are speaking from the traditional side. So from Do the you traditional side,
0: I, so I'm not going to bring names up right now because I, that's going to, it would open up a whole other ball of wax. I mean, you brought will, up those names. But those names would meet me halfway. Uh, there's <laughs> one traditional Catholic I so, like can follow.
4: Not only from the spiritual point wait, of view, but even from the political. So they'll meet you. Uh, sorry, sorry, but they'll meet you halfway, which means they're coming halfway. And you're staying here and you're like, someone meet me. Aren't you willing to go halfway to meet them on their side? Let's just. Everyone should go (laughs) halfway. I understand what you're saying. And be able to. Like, don't say, I'm, everything should revolve around me and please come meet me.
0: I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying saying other people are meeting other people. And many people are not meeting other people. Well, for example, let's say, let's, let's go to your scholars, okay? So you have people like your, uh, your Brant Petrie, uh, your John Bergsma, um, you know, your uh, Michael Barber's, your, you have your scholars that will relate all of those things to you, right? And because they're not hampered by trying to stay inside of walls. And so they'll tell you about the old traditional uh, Jewish stuff. And why Catholicism is valid? Because that's the reason it's valid. Catholicism is valid because of its roots. And if you take away those roots, then Catholicism is no longer valid. It's the roots that make it valid, right? So, um, so they'll they'll tell you, and they'll tear those walls down, and they'll show you the what makes Catholicism Catholicism. Because without that, it doesn't even exist. So. Yes, there are very there are a lot of very traditionalist Catholics that will show you what the reason why it is and break those walls down. So that's the answer to your question,
1: yeah. well, you know uh-huh. the ending of Midnight Mass, at least to me, <laughs> there you know, And I hope I don't upset anybody. Has nothing to do with Catholicism or any religion. It was a story, I would agree. It was yeah. a story of. You know, what I think the larger point of what Christ was trying to get out of was our humanity in mm-hmm. the creator. And, you know, that to me is what the priest exemplified at the end. It's like, man, this isn't, this isn't about my Catholic faith. This isn't about my mm-hmm. sin that I couldn't let go. This is about me looking at it in the mirror, owning it, and accepting responsibility for it. Yeah. Then he was reborn.
0: Died. Yes. I would go a step further, though. Go. Because... If you talk about John Pruitt, Beth Keene steps in, the, as you call her, the evangelical, right? Um, the uh, The zealot, right? She steps in, and she's saying, well, you are the priest. You are the leader. You're the this. You're the that. And he steps up, and he says, no, it's not about me. It's about God. It's never supposed to be about me. I, man, I got chills when he said that. Yeah. I was great. like, oh, wow. I mean, that's when like the truth hits the fan. Yeah, I was why like,
4: are you letting a Netflix
0: show give wow. chills? <laughs> well, because it, <laughs> <That a, laughs> it was a <laughs> that in there. Sea. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact that he was the one that stood up, the priest, that she's trying to say, well, this is the, you are the leader. You're the this, you're the that. And the fact that he rebuts her and says, it's not me. It's about him. So, yeah, I was like, "Wow, that was awesome." That gave me chills. I was like, "That's that is truth." Because it was the priest, a good priest, will tell you, "It is not him. It's about God."
4: And it's weird to me that these people could take on this, let's call it a vampirism, vampire, (laughs) the vampire lifestyle. Hashtag vampire
2: lifestyle. That you was know, well on, played,
4: yeah, well played. They could take on the vampire lifestyle. And, um, but they could still be like, this, I feel wrong about this.
0: Because exactly. a lot of them
4: were still like, yeah, I don't like, you know what? We did something wrong. You know, our human nature. Why do I do the things I don't want
1: to do and I do the things I shouldn't and that's do? Why, and,
0: that's why it was so well written because again they were able to embrace the fact that they had done wrong they sinned they they had they knew they had to repent they and, and so many of them accepted the fact that they had done wrong so they stood before the sun waiting for their repentant death that, so that,
2: that was really moving like the moment yeah. before they start singing like where they kind of, they all move on. Like they're actually all walking at the time. So I think that's kind of symbolic moving on. But I, I, I keep thinking of, um I don't know the name of the guy, but there was that guy that um, Sturge tried to get into the rec center right before the rec center burned down because <laughs> right. he had been nice to him. And like after the rec center burns down or, you know, they're, they're like both walking away. And like one of them says like, uh, I did some pretty effed up stuff tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right.
4: Uh, yeah. Well, also, what's that? I think I ate my mom, or like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I and think then I killed my mom.
0: Yeah, and that's the, right. I forget yes. about it. <laughs> <laughs> and and the guy turns to him and he said, no, we all... oh shit moment. <laughs> yeah. And the guy turns to me and he said, We all did some effed up stuff tonight, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> and but again, they embraced the fact they had done wrong, they had sinned, they understood that they yeah. that they have to answer for it now, right? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the beauty of it was the fact that most of them, not all of them, because that was trying to dig a hole, but <laughs> oh, gee, <my> <laughs> <laughs> so many of them understood that they had to have their 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 day before God, their day before judgment, and mm-hmm. that 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 they were walking towards that right, singing a hymn right, so.
2: Now I'm wondering, just because, again, I had read her recently, like in addition to um, Flanagan reading Richard Rohr, had he read some Brene Brown recently? Because she talks a lot about embracing imperfection. And all in that moment, they, except Bev, embraced imperfection, whereas Bev still couldn't deal with the fact that she wasn't a flawless human. But all <laughs> the rest of them were like, yeah, we we screwed up, face to paper. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. I am going to call wow. it because this was a fun night, and so fun. Uh, I think we've reached our last of our our reflections. Yeah. So, uh, Keith, any last words?
2: Oh, uh, you'll you'll find me uh, on a newly deserted small island off the Pacific Northwest coast, which has some prime real estate uh, freshly raised from fire. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm. You know, it's hard to buy a house lately, so I'm gonna head out west and. Oh, uh, look that's for the
4: last place you want to go. More to Real come. Park, it's too hot. More
1: to <laughs> come. Wait, 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 wait. What? what's going on he's talking that no, was a bro-
2: joke i'm joking that i was gonna move to i forget the name of the island what's the name of the island i forget oh.
4: Croc- 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 island. Right. Croc- Croc- i'm
2: Pop. moving to Crockett no, island Croc- Croc- that's what island. I'm, Croc- island? Okay. Croc- Pot island. Was i mean it's no oh, okay, okay all the buildings have been torn down everybody's gone i mean that land i mean it was previously haunted by vampires atlanta has to be very affordable right now and i mean <laughs> man, an guys. island in the pacific northwest holy yeah. crap yeah, I, that's going to go bonkers sur- in a few years. What
4: if somebody survived? What if somebody did get to dig underground or go in a cave? And what if someone We'd, survived? Well, we don't
0: really we know, know what happened to in the angel house. either. I was going to say, know. we don't know what happened to a vampire, really, do we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edward, any last words? Yeah, it didn't totally
4: suck, but uh, yet yeah, there were. I, it, it, <laughs> it sucked, but it didn't totally suck. Thanks, Aww. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was I Give myself a ding. French <laughs> French French French
1: for me, <laughs> be anything. Man, I thought there were so many things to pull symbolically uh, from uh, Midnight Mass. I really, I can't say that I enjoyed it in a sense. Okay, all right, but fair. I learned fair. a lot from it. All right, there was a lot of things to learn from it, and for me, that's that's the mark of. Uh, you know what what it means to be spiritual and on this human journey that someone could encapsulate that and put it to film. So uh, you know, I tip my hat to him. Um Richard Rohr, check out his books, man.
0: Falling upward.
1: Yeah, right. I have book. to do a Richard Rohr cast here. See? Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm trying <laughs> we, to get him on. We <laughs> talked about yeah, get, yeah we talked yeah. about getting him on. I've submitted before, and they they were actually hopeful. So maybe Ooh. maybe soon. Wow. Really cool. Yeah, they actually I did won't. respond. So maybe. Mm. Um. So I, uh, yeah, I would I will give a big shout out to Mike Flanagan because he did a better job than 98 percent of any horror movies that have ever been out there on trying to depict the struggle in religion. Mm-hmm. That was just phenomenal. Very, very. Few, Agreed. Yeah. Very few horror movies have ever covered the breadth and the depth that he does. Which is ironic coming from somebody who is agnostically atheist, right? So, (laughs) but, but yeah, well played, well played. But you can't get funded Um, if you say otherwise. That's right. (laughs) Um, Please check us out on all of our social media platforms. (laughs) Also, I would like to say, please, anywhere you listen to podcasts, give us a big thumbs up. Five stars. Leave some comments. Uh, you can actually leave us voicemail on uh, if you go to our uh, Anchor FM page, Anchor uh, FM forward slash Bible of a Bruise, and we will take your uh, vocal recordings and we that. will try to answer your questions. So Wait, but we uh,
2: take voicemails. Like what's next? Like faxes?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yo, uh, uh, whoa, whoa. Faxes are yet to come. Jeez. I'm gonna get a page. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> and you can page me, <laughs> <laughs> but please. This is all our uh, platforms. Like, hello, big Bible thumbs up. A <laughs> <laughs> lot more to come. We're about to hit our 100 episodes, so big things happening there. Please see us soon. Godspeed. Peace out. Bye